Hi, this is Scott Bennett, your host with Principles Over People. Welcome here from uh, the state of great state of Utah. It's uh, smoky. It's very smoky, actually. And we're excited to have you on this Friday afternoon. I'd like to introduce to you a very, very special friend of mine who, whom I've known for many, many years, and her name is Sue Brandon. Let me tell you a little bit about her background as I know it. Sue has known a lot of challenges over the years. She has lost uh, one of her sons, her youngest son, uh, from overdose, uh, who struggled with addiction for several years. Uh, her middle son, uh, who has had some extraordinary challenges, uh, he was riding his motorcycle, uh, down what we call the sand dunes and went over those bars and broke his neck. And he has known substantial challenges ever since. And if if I'm remembering right, it's about 11 years ago, coming yep, up on 11. Almost 12. And uh, her oldest boy, uh, who she loves dearly, he struggles with bipolar. And to put it bluntly, uh, Sue, I know as a mom, uh, doesn't know, you know, if she's going to get a phone call about him if he's ended it all one day because his challenges are that great. And so, Sue, welcome. Thank you for taking the time uh, to our audience. I really had to coax her to do this interview. I thought he was joking. Yeah, she did think I was joking, and I would text her back and forth and uh, to get her into our studio here. So I'm glad she's taking the time. Uh, one of the things I deeply admire about her in my book, she's a woman of great courage. She knows very, very hard work. Uh, there's not a day that doesn't go by. She's not helping her middle son, uh, the one who's paralyzed. And uh, she is a woman of profound love. Um, Sue, with that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your growing up and your experience. And, uh, and I might add to our audience, she's also lost her husband who passed away of cancer. So Yeah. And lost both parents and to both cancer. parents both cancer. to cancer. Yeah, um, grew up had a normal childhood. Okay. I guess whatever normal yeah, whatever is for normal, me. Yep. Yeah, I had ruptured appendix when I was nine and almost died. Wow. So I, I figure there's a reason why I'm here. Yep. Um, and a, and a brother who right now is in ICU with COVID. Yes. To top it all off. So sorry yes. to interrupt. No, Go ahead, you're Sue. fine. So. Um, I lost my sister when I was 18. She had um, cancer also. She was 10 years older than me. But um, you talk about courage, I think, and, of course, love. I learned that from my mother. How? How did that? I mean, so if you, if you look back, how did you know or when did you really know that you had this amazing mom who loved you? Oh, goodness. Well, I can't remember a time that I didn't know. Okay. I always knew it. Uh, her example, uh, I loved my dad dearly, but he was a hard cookie to live with. He was a tough guy. Oh, my goodness, he was. And she went through so much, and yet she remained so strong and loved him despite, right. you know, I'm sure she didn't like him. But, uh, yeah, learned from my mom. Because most probably uh, might have put him on the front porch. Oh, man. You're, I would have yeah. drop kicked him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, years ago, to, to, yeah. <laughs> to be blunt about it. Yeah. Sort of a tough guy. Yeah. And I do know that most good ladies, women, would have put him on the porch. Yeah. Why? What made him so tough? Well... 
we always had a saying, there's the right way, the wrong way, and then there's Willis's way. Okay. That's my dad's way. So he, he always knew everything, and it always had to be his way. And uh, I know when I was eight, my oldest sister that passed away from cancer, she was 18, and she wanted to marry this guy, and he had some kids. And my dad told her, no, you can't marry him. And she says, I'm going to. And he, I remember me and my mom and my sister standing in the kitchen. Sorry. And he said, if you marry that guy, if you walk out this door, you're no longer my daughter. And she walked out. And he turned to me and my mom and forbid us to talk to her, ever. And uh, I know my sister, years would go, she would always send him a gift. He would never accept it. I remember sometimes her even baking a little lemon pie and leaving it on the porch. He never softened. This went on for nine years. And I remember standing at the kitchen window while my mom was talking to my sister on the telephone. And if I saw that car come around, I'd say, he's coming. And I was so, I was scared, you know. And I went to hurry and hang up. So it went on for nine years. And uh, then one day Colleen called. And I answered the phone and Daddy was home. And I was, I was scared. And this is when I was like 17 so, but I was scared to death because I was thinking, oh no, dad's home. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, let me talk to daddy. And I remember telling dad he was wanted on the phone and he said, who is it? And it scared me to say her name in his presence. So he went and took the phone. And they talked and he finally said, bring your little boy up. Let's talk about it. Um, it was... About eight months later, we were able to have kind of a a relationship, finally. But it was eight months later. She, uh, well, six months later, she found out she had Hodgkin's disease. And two months later, she died. And I learned a valuable lesson that I never want to be offended. You know, Dad was offended that she went against him. And to see him suffer after he lost out on all this time. Nine years. Nine years, yeah. I have made it a mission to never be offended. I guess the good side is they made up, but in the meantime, lost nine precious years. A long time. Yes. Long time in a family dynamic. And, you know, as... As Daddy got older, I mean, I have two other siblings, and their relationship, they, they didn't like my dad. And so they didn't really associate even with my mother. And so I always felt like I was all they had. And I, I loved my dad dearly. I could hug him and express love to him, and he would express it to me. And I think it's so sad that my brother and sister didn't let 
go of that resentment and enjoy the man that my dad developed into. I mean, he was tough, but he was also a good man. Yeah. Yep. Had his good, good qualities good and qualities. good traits. But yeah, yep. I wouldn't have tolerated him early, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, makes sense. So here's this amazing mom, and to our audience, I do remember her, and she was such a good, kind individual. What other examples? Obviously, your dad losing your sister. Were there other? Are there other examples of her or situations where her extraordinary love stands out to you? Um, when she went through cancer, okay, uh, she went through two remissions, but she had. Uh, non-Hodgkin's disease. And as I, you know, helped her through that aspect, she, she always stayed so strong and so trusting in our Heavenly Father. Right. The Lord was her. Saving grace. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and you talk about my mom, she lost her mother when she was 13. Okay, now that I didn't know. Yeah. And her dad... He up and moved to Salt Lake, so her sister and her kind of fended for their own. So okay. okay. They lived in Midway. But yeah, as she went through cancer, I just saw her rely so strong mm-hmm. on her her faith. Her beliefs. And, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about hard work? What I know of your parents, they're always hard workers. Oh, yeah. My Dad always had some crazy project going. But, uh, yeah, we had 18 cherry trees when I was growing up. So we were out picking cherries. In fact, I remember when I was about six, they tied me up to a cherry tree because they were picking and they couldn't keep me corralled. (laughs) And they say that I started singing the song, Oh, let me go. (laughs) So... Yeah. But yeah, um, we were taught to work, which is a good thing. I think that's been the thing that's saved me in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, I think of our three boys, all three of them have been hard workers. They were all raised to work hard. Yes. Uh, Even uh, her one son that is paralyzed to this day, I am stunned knowing him like I do with what he can accomplish and what he does, his situation can be so discouraging, yeah. overwhelmingly discouraging. Yeah. And yet he gets out, he's got a track chair, he'll get out and hunt. They've got a farm and he loves to go down to the farm. So let's talk about that situation a little bit because I know that as a mom, that can be very discouraging to see that unfolding every day as it does. Oh. Hard? Yeah. Yeah, I always thought losing a child would be the hardest thing in my life, uh, besides losing a spouse. But to see your child um, become a quadriplegic and to see friends kind of going about their lives and and Nate's kind of too much work, see him lose his independence, and uh, he's such an avid hunter and loved to hike and golf and a big outdoorsman totally in fact i just got through packing up his trailer and loading him up and he's 
heading to Fayette to do trap shooting. Okay. I had a son that passed away from a drug overdose, accidental, but he passed away on October 30th, 2005. It was the Sunday. We were in church. Our son, Nate, who's paralyzed now, called and told us um, that they were taking Colby to American Fork Hospital. And so we headed over that way, and Ron let me off at the emergency room exit. And I, of course, was met by a couple of police officers. And I says, I'm here for Kobe Brandon. And I says, is he okay? And he says, no, he's dead. And I just remember turning and kind of running outside to meet up with Ron as he was walking in. I just remember saying, he's dead, he's dead. Um, so four years later, on the same Sunday of the year, only it was November 1st, we had just got home from church. By the way, I probably won't go to church on that Sunday of the year. But we had just got home from church, and Nate's wife, Kendall, called and said they're life-flighting Nate to the university hospital. So he stopped and picked her up, and he had a little six-month-old daughter and got her arranged for, and we headed up there. And it's a miracle he survived, you know. Um, because he spent several months in the hospital, between oh, two different hospitals. Yeah. How many surgeries? Oh, several. And then he has malignant hypothermia, which they had to stop because that's rare, of course. Right. And, and, to our, and to our audience, maybe they don't know what that term is, meaning that if I remember right, they were trying to put him out to do surgery and his body reacted to that particular drug. Therefore, yeah. that stopped and delay that a little bit and then find another alternative as far right. as medication to put him under. Right, right. Okay. So, um, yeah, they did three surgeries at the very beginning. And um, I remember when the doctor came out and told us that he was going to, they think he was going to make it, but... That Meaning he, he would live? Yes. Okay. But that he would be paralyzed. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking, you know, legs. Well, he's paralyzed from the chest down. Limited use of his hands. Uh, they're kind of curled up. But, uh, yeah, and he did spend 128 days, and he was never alone. Either Ron or me or Kendall was in the hospital with him. And uh, to me, having a child paralyzes worse than losing them because you see their situation and you see how difficult it is. You see his heartache having to rely even on his very basic needs. For the simplest things. Ab absolutely. You know, a curb out on the street might as well be a mountain, mm -hmm. you know, because the wheelchair, you just, you just cannot comprehend and I, I can't imagine his dark hours laying, laying and you know, there. And you know, as his mom, there have been many of those. Oh, my goodness. There has been so many. And uh, my belief is, at least with my son, Colby, I know where he is with 
Nate. Of course, I know where he is, but I, I go over every day and spend eight, eight, yeah, ten hours yeah, 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 over there helping him. And sometimes back over at night. Yes, yes. And uh, I, just, I just feel like he just feels so out of control of everything. So um, that's been hard. It's been hard. Do you, do you think the love that you were raised with, in particular by your mom, do you think that's helped you love your boys even more? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, like I say, I never had any doubt growing up that I was loved. I, I'm the baby, <laughs> so my other siblings would accuse me of being spoiled. I wasn't, but I just remember such a closeness with my parents, and uh, even in their later years, well, even when they passed away, I was the one that held my mother's hand when she passed. Um, I had my dad in my home, and I held his hand when he passed, and um, I held my husband's hand when he passed, which is such a tremendous blessing. Hard, but a blessing. And why? Why would you quantify that as a blessing? What? Well, it's such a sacred time to see them transition. And I I needed, I guess as a caregiver, as a daughter, as a wife, I needed to be there. So it was important for me to be there. That makes sense. With So let's go back a little bit and talk about Kobe. When did you realize he was struggling with an addiction? You know, I think when... My dad was living with us, and he was dying from bone cancer. And he was taking um, strong narcotic. And there was a bunch missing. And I thought, I have a niece that ended up passing from drug overdose. But I called the cops. I thought it might have been her. And the police officer pulled me outside, sat me down. And he says, I think you need to look at your son. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, why did he suspect something or why did he? Well, just because, you know, of course, there's no break in. I, mm-hmm. You know, my, my niece really hadn't been around. Okay. And I guess from his experience, you know. And it just kind of blew me away because I thought Kobe wouldn't take wouldn't grandpa's. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't take his pills and, and stuff like that but uh, yeah so I think that's when it started okay and then he got in an accident and had kind of tweaked his back and so the doctor started him on some pain pills and of course about that time then Colby up and moves out and, and so I could tell um your oldest son mm. always struggled with bipolar. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's funny because when he says that he first noticed it when he was thirteen. Of course, him being my oldest, I thought you know it's just teenager. And I think back then it was so um, not only taboo but just not really recognized. Right. And he um, he struggled with it. He, and, and he's how old now, Sue? Uh, well, that dates me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, to our audience. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, he's forty-eight. Okay. 
put that in so, perspective. Okay. Yeah, I was 10 when I had it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's, oh, he has struggled. He um, races cars, races anything that moves. He's professional and has had some pretty major wrecks. And it's like, oh, my goodness, don't do this to me. I've uh-huh. got one paralyzed son. Don't give me two. Right. But, um, yeah, he he can be on this super high, productive, feeling good, and then I won't hear from him for months. Yeah. And he's in bed. And, you don't, yeah, you don't know no. what, what kind of a phone call you're going to get at no. that point. No. Yeah. I mean, he actually, I mean, he's written a book, but he actually went up Payson Canyon and... Um, had a gun mm-hmm. and pulled the trigger, but it misfired. And um, yeah, I've been called to go up there several times, and uh, you just you just don't know. Yeah, you know, Nate's paralyzed physically, well, and emotional too. But Justin is just as paralyzed, only bipolar. So. I think when we think of hard work and the principle of hard work, you always think of going to a job, right? Whatever that job looks like to earn a living, to earn an, uh, an income. But the thing that, to me, your situation where it's quite different is going to work for you has nothing to do with income. This is about just no. helping your son survive day to day to day. Right. And to our audience, it might be hard to appreciate Nate's wife is a good lady. Uh, she's a good individual. But without Nate's mom there, Sue, uh, Nate wouldn't make it. I mean, his mom really is his also his emotional support. And just knowing him the way I do and not like his mom by any imagination, his loneliness, those days it's been so bitter. And there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. And he experienced them both. Yeah. Uh, quite often and can and has. So, again, I think of love. A mother's love is what gets her boys through every day. That principle of hard work, uh, knowing Sue the way I do, the tremendous amount of courage that she has in her life. Because, again, as our audience, you can imagine their days she'd like to just go to bed and just stay in bed, as we all would. Uh, we all, I know, can have those days and do get them on occasion. And I've teased her over the years. Sometimes uh, it'd be nice to have your own private island. (laughs) Nobody to bother you. No phone. (laughs) Yep. No overnight postage. No internet. (laughs) And just veg. And sometimes I think uh, Sue uh, would like to have that experience. And. uh, But I I would worry if I was on the island. So. That's there's, there's no sense going to the island. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Then you'd be frustrated because you couldn't get a hold of anybody. Right. Huh? right. Say, all right, where's my plane? I'm out here. I'm going back into the thick of it. Yeah. Sue, what? Were you, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, I, I just think, you know, so many times people say to me, I don't know how you do it. And I just wonder, I don't have a choice. Why are they saying that? Right. I do not have a choice. You know, people say, oh, I would die for my husband. I would die for my kids. And my feeling is I'm living for them. Right. And I'm loving them. And after all, that's the only thing in life that matters. 
is love and my beliefs. Yeah. And you do for them what they cannot do for themselves. Exactly. Day in and day out. What else would you want our audience to know? Because I, one of the things I want our audience to understand is, you know, it's ordinary people that end up doing extraordinary things. All right. We Sometimes we look in society and we see the notables and they're out there. They're in the public eye. They're in the media. And we think, wow. But most of the extraordinary things in this world of ours are done by ordinary people just doing extraordinary things every day. I, I don't care. Again, working hard, loving, courage. Well, what do you want our audience to know? Well, I think it doesn't matter how hard it gets. I just don't think a person has, I don't know how to put it. I just don't think you have a choice. I think we all have that inner drive, that inner um, determination. Yeah. And even when I feel like I've lost it, I, you know, it's just like you just go to bed and the next day it starts all over again and hopefully you've got more resolve, but it's okay to get really discouraged. And it's great to have a good friend. <laughs> to get you on a podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> make, make you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Scott, you have always been so attentive and so compassionate to me. Thank you. And to my boys and to my husband, you know. Um, and I've got another couple of dear friends that, you know, they, they're my little angels on earth and I feel like I've got so many angels on the other side lifting me so it's okay to go through those period of times when you want to yell and scream and and um, yeah swear (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do whatever it takes but you just get back on and do it Uh, if I didn't do better today I'll try to be better tomorrow Yeah, I like that. I think that is just great wisdom. So, Sue, with that said, and and that's great words of wisdom, but with everything you've been through, the tragedy, the ups and downs, the heartaches, the pains, the sorrows, uh, you know, how how do you define all this? What how's it shaped you? What's it mean to you? I like the person I am today compared to even twenty years ago. Okay, Uh, I learned. Um, how to empathize with someone that lost a sibling because I lost my sister. Um, Then as I lost my mom, then my dad, I could then relate and empathize with them, uh, the people that have lost a parent. And, uh, of course, then losing a child, it puts you in a whole different club. And, um, you know, people can say, oh, I can't imagine that's true and I'm so glad that they can't understand because to understand it and to sympathize completely you have to go through it and so uh, and then of course the trials with my boys I'm definitely more sensitive when I see uh, people with disabilities or you know I think it softened me mm-hmm. Uh, not that I was really a hardcore person, but and then of course losing my husband, um, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I can relate 
to so many people in so many ways. And not that I can be that big of a help. (laughs) Right. But um, for me, the growth that I have felt, it's, it's taught me how to love deeper and to appreciate, oh, goodness, appreciate and be grateful. Everything that I've got, I see tender mercies and wonderful miracles every day in my life that I don't think I would have been in tune or sensitive to. Had you not been through all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's oftentimes, it's not always the words we say, but it's the emotions conveyed. Yeah. And people can tell just looking at you, okay, all right, this person's been through it. And is that in a good way? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and there's and there's power to that, right? There's a real power to that empathy. And uh, because, you know, as you, as you display empathy and help and, again, uh, love others, there's just a power to that where you can take them by the hands and pull them up and embrace them. And they're strengthened through that. And it's not the hundred words you might want to say. It's just those emotions right. that uh, people, I think, so often need. Well, Sue, thank you for taking time today. I, I deeply appreciate it. I know our audience does. And uh, I know this was a a tough interview. And to our audience, to be fair to her, I knew it would be because, again, knowing uh, so much of her background. Again, Sue, thank you. Uh, To our audience, I simply want to say have hope. Uh, Every day is a new day. Take every day as a gift and enjoy what you can, Uh, whether it's uh, smelling the flowers or just find the beautiful things around you and live by your principles. Uh, Be a principally-based individual. And uh, again, thank you.